It had to come to an end at some point. The Minnesota Timberwolves winning streak concludes at seven. They dropped to eight and three, falling to the Phoenix Suns, and it wasn't particularly close. Jack Borman and I talk about it on the Locked On Wolves postcast. You are Locked On Wolves postcast, part of Locked On Minnesota on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, thanks for stopping by. Thanks for staying up late once again. After a thriller one night ago, the Wolves drop this decision to the Phoenix Suns, 133-115. This is the Locked on Wolves postcast. I'm Sam Ekstrom, executive producer here at Locked on Sports Minnesota, host of the Minnesota Football Party. I'm keeping the seat warm for the postcaster general, Luke Inman, who's on vacation this week, uh, filling in here with Jack Borman, who is our Timberwolves expert, joining Luke on most occasions. He is at JRBorman13 on Twitter, writes for CanisHoopus.com. And Jack, this one was kind of a laugher from the beginning. The Wolves didn't have a lot of chance at any point, really, from about the second quarter on. We'll get into uh, why that happened, why the defense regressed the way it did tonight. Carl Anthony Towns continuing to perform well offensively. That's encouraging. And where the Wolves go from here. Just a reminder to everybody, you can hear the audio of this show on the Locked On Wolves or Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast feeds wherever you get your podcasts. You can also catch us in the rotation at the 24-7 YouTube live stream here at Locked On Sports Minnesota, which we're very excited about. All right, Jack, uh, what's your headline from this one in the Wolves' 133-115 loss? Yeah, I mean, we've been talking about earlier this season the fact that the Timberwolves had the best uh, three-point shooting defense in the NBA uh, by quite a wide margin. I think they're allowing opponents to shoot about 31%, um, you know, which is substantially below what what the, you know, the best team in the league generally allows, which is about high, high 33, you know, low 34%. Um, And so I guess it was nice that the Timberwolves got some of that opponent, you know, three-point shooting progression to the mean out of the way in one game. Um, You know, when you consider the fact that, um, you know, just looking at, at some of the numbers here, Phoenix, you know, before we kind of hit garbage time, there were 16 of 25 from three, that's 64%. In um, one, you're only making, you know, four of 19 for 21% in that, that same time frame. Um, you know, that's just a lot of points to make up for, you know, 48 to 12 of the three point line. You look at a lot of the other, um, you know, areas of this game, um, you know, points in the paint were fairly close. Um, turnovers and points off turnovers were fairly close. Um, you know, the Timberwolves even, you know, outscored them for the free throw line 26 to 14. Uh, but that didn't even matter just because the, the three point shot yeah. can be the great equalizer when, um, you know, you get a team like Phoenix that is, you know, likes to set a lot of really high ball screens for, you know, two of the greatest ball screen players in the history of basketball, um, in a really spread floor. And they're just going to make the right play and, and, and make tough shots more often than, uh, more often than they're not. And, uh, you know, this was just a prime situation of, you know, Phoenix just just making it really, really tough on the Wolves, especially in a night where it was kind of clear from the beginning. They just didn't really have any legs after after two pr- pretty draining games in, in San Francisco against the Warriors. And, um, you know, a pretty pretty understandable loss here and, and nothing that I think, you know, anyone can be too frustrated about or or, or have too many, you know, long-term takeaways, I guess, if you will. Yeah, you said pretty clearly last night, you didn't really care if the Wolves lost this one. It was important that the Wolves got away with a win last night against the undermanned Warriors. Now you go into a game where the schedule is stacked against you and you drop this one 
to Phoenix. Now you get two days off before you face the Pelicans to end the road trip. But when you're a good team like the Wolves are, and you are a Western Conference contender, these ge- these games do mean something, I think, for the future. These are the best teams in the West um, that the Wolves are playing. And I know the Phoenix record doesn't reflect that, but again, they haven't had their full complement of players and still, frankly, haven't really with Bradley Beal missing this one. But Devin Booker was full throttle tonight. Kevin Durant was as smooth as ever. And it's nice that the Wolves haven't had a little four-game cushion over the Suns going into tonight because you get the feeling that the Suns are going to rattle off wins and they're going to be there competing for those home uh, court advantage in the first round seeds by the end of the season. So this is a measuring stick game. And tonight the Wolves didn't measure up, but Phoenix Jack feels like a team that's going to be there at the end. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it all just come down to if they can stay healthy just because they are a rather thin team. You know, the, there's some names that you might recognize on that, on that Phoenix bench, um, at the end of the Phoenix bench with guys like Shimezi Metu, who's played in uh, San Antonio and Sacramento or Nasir Little in Portland, um, Yuta Watanabe from uh, the Raptors. He was the guy that Ant had that crazy dunk on his, his rookie year. Um, you know, and, and then, but the biggest name that, that you hear was Eric Gordon, who was phenomenal tonight. Um, and so, you know, they've, they've got a lot of guys and they just need, uh, you know, maybe two or three of them to step up on any given night. And, and if they're going to get that, they're going to be a really tough team. Um, and, and they can, they can certainly prove me wrong with, um, you know, with the depth comments. Um, but, but we'll see when, you know, and, you know, the stakes get really high and, and pressure kind of makes diamonds, uh, in, in the playoffs. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, you look at the Timberwolves in this Western conference right now, they're, they're, I think this is their first loss against a Western conference team. I think they're five and oh, um, in the Western conference before this game. Yep. Took care of both of their in-season tournament games. Um, so I think, you know, down the line, it might be a tough one to to come back and see, oh, well, you know, you lost to Phoenix, but I think, you know, some of us will probably remember what happened in those Golden State games. And, you know, I think context does matter in, in some of these games. Um, you know, re- I don't want to say regardless of the opponent, but, um, you know, where I think it's really easy in, in April or, you know, March and April to look back and be like, well, if they just could have had that one game. But, you know, if you can kind of think back and remember – Phoenix coming off of three days rest, getting Devin Booker back, who hasn't played in three, you know, two and a half weeks. Um, it's just a tough ask. And I, I think the, you know, the best thing you can do is, is not let one bad game turn into two, um, you know, kind of regroup and, and, and take care of yourselves, recover the right way. And, um, you know, and get back after it on Saturday against a, you know, a Pelicans team that uh, is probably still going to be missing quite a few rotation guys. Um, you know, it's probably going to be a, you know, the only guy that's going to be back, I think, is, is Zion. And, and they lost another rotation guy in Larry Nance Jr. Um, since the last time they played. So, um, but, you know, I think you just got to got to take your L and move on here for the Wolves. Yeah, I mean, the Suns were an absolute wagon tonight. They got three of three, three-point shooting from Josh Okogie. Drew Eubanks was posterizing Carl Anthony Towns. It was all working for Phoenix, a 60% night. And as you pointed out, the Wolves were comparable in a lot of other important categories. And when you're minus 36 behind the three-point line, that's going to decide the game right there. But probably not a sustainable effort uh, effort either by the Suns, and we do have a Suns fan in the in the show right now. Tyler, shout out to you! Thanks for watching us. We appreciate it. He liked the Wolves commentators tonight. We like him too. We like uh, Michael Grady and Jim Pete. They do a good job. Yeah, I'm not biased at all, really, with them. I watch a ton of league pass, and and I'd put them up there with you know anybody. Um, and, and Wolves fans are, are super fortunate, and it's fun that we get to you know listen to an energetic and, and super knowledgeable 
guy. I mean, guys, you can tell that they watch every other team in the league, and that's not something that that every you know announcer battery does. Yeah, Jim Pete, for my money, best color analyst in the NBA, at least for local broadcasts, for sure. Excellent, excellent. Um, we got plenty more to get to in the Lockdown Wolves postcast. We're going to talk about Cat, who was a bright spot offensively for the Wolves. His hot streak continues. A uh, lot of effort tonight. Puts up a 25-point performance, 10 of 17 shooting. We're going to talk about that with Jack after I give you a word from eBay Motors. Yes, eBay Motors uh, helps bring you tonight's show. They've teamed up with Lockdown Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week, all season long. Whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you with players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So let's see who Josh has picked out for this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. I'm leaning toward Kyle Lowry. Had minuscule usage to begin the season, but no more Tyler Hero. He's got to step up, and he has strong ad for now. The Heat, uh, Kyle Lowry. And then Keontae George, the Jazz new starting point guard, 20 assists in his first two starts. Might be a little rocky with him, but worth grabbing Keontae George of the Jazz. Josh Lloyd from Lockdown Fantasy Basketball is going to help you win your fantasy championship. And eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same with your vehicle. Uh, with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof rack, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply. All right, Jack, um, positive tonight, Carl Anthony Towns. The the way he was attacking, the way that he seemed to to have his legs, I mean, after all the effort he put forward last night, didn't seem to be an ounce of drop-off for him. Um, his average now over the last five games, hovering around 26 points and 10 rebounds. Great stretch for Cat, and he was the, the one guy that really seemed to show up tonight, didn't see much from Ant, didn't see much from Jaden, even though he didn't play last night. Uh, Rudy, I thought, was was pretty hit or miss. It was a cat game, and cat's the only one who showed up. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think the biggest thing with cat that, that people tend to forget because he he was injured for much of last season is that you know, if you go back and you look at the first six years, you know, five, six years of Carl's career, he's one of the most consistent offensive, you know, top options in the NBA in terms of you know, there weren't a whole lot of times, you know, where Cat would score 38 and then 16 and then 24 and then 20 and then 30. You know, like he was pretty much hovering, you know, anywhere from 23 to 30 points a night uh, on really efficient scoring, too. And that's what that's what you got tonight. I mean, Carl, you know, missed all of his three point shots, I believe, but was was 10 of 10 of 13 from from two point land um, tonight, which is which is really good. And, and everything he was doing was. Um, you know, was was kind of built off the back of last night, I thought, where he was just doing everything quick. Um, you know, all of his decisions once he caught the ball were quick, and uh, he, he was very quick to realize when it wasn't the right time for him to attack downhill, 
and then got off the ball and got it back and then kind of regathered himself and, and attacked. And, you know, this was a game where you kind of looked at the starting lineups and you kind of say, okay, you're going to start uh, Devin Booker and Bradley Beal, who are two, you know, relatively small guards. Um, you know, Grayson Allen has started for them for the majority of the year. Uh, Eric Gordon is a guy that that you also look to as, as a guy who can spot start. You knew that Kevin Durant and um, and Yusuf Nurkic were going to start in the front court, but it was just more a matter of, okay, who is going to guard Carl Anthony Towns if they're going to start with three small guards? Because you'd think that one of those, you know, guards is going to guard Jane McDaniels, but who knows if Kevin Durant just wants to stay, you know, matched up on McDaniels to prevent a cross-matching situation. Um, and that's exactly what happened. They, they started with Eric Gordon on Carl Anthony Towns. And, you know, we didn't see some of the, some of the, you know, I guess offensive fouls and out of control play that we saw from Carl earlier in the year going against Smalls. He, you know, played very within himself, had very good control of his body, uh, quick attacks, uh, you know, had a really, really tight handle navigating through uh, some defenders in the paint, made really good finishes around the rim um, early. I think he had uh, 10 points in the first uh, four or five minutes of this game, um, you know, and was really the only reason they stayed even remotely close to them um, in that first quarter. Um, and again, too, we've just started to see him gain more and more of a rhythm when he goes to the five. Um, you know, with that second group unit, now we've seen that that has Nikhil Alexander-Walker and Kyle Anderson and, and Nas Reed, and then either uh, Ant or Shake Milton, depending on uh, how Finch he wants to play that. And so it's been been really fun to see Carl hit this rhythm and, and be able to kind of sustain it too. Um, you know, then once they, they go back to the starters and he's playing alongside Rudy Gobert, I think he's really starting uh, to understand how to play off of Rudy and how to maintain that spacing and uh, and how he can kind of get his within the flow of the offense and be a consistent option, um, you know, on a night like tonight where uh, Anthony Edwards was was really, really struggling and looked really, really tired out there. Yeah, like the, the three-point shot he took at one point, I want to say in the third quarter, that was so flat. He just looked exhausted. Um, and there have been moments this year where he has gone through these stretches in games where he looks really flat, but then he's been able to turn it on. Tonight, he yep. was not able to turn it on. And that's and sort I of think it was too the game was too far apart, you know, for yeah. him to kind of sense that sense that moment, if you will. Fair enough. I mean, it was 28 in the third quarter. It got out of hand fast. I mean, when, when it's 22 at half and the other team is shooting 65 percent and they come out and they hit their first three pointer of the third quarter, you just put your hands up and you say, oh, it, this is not our <laughs> night. And I yep. thought the Wolves battled really hard just to try to put that thing in shouting distance, get within 13. And they couldn't uh, even claw that far back. And the off, and they still put 115 points up tonight. The offense wasn't abysmal. Um, l- let me let me play a game with you here, Jack. Uh, totally off the cuff, knee jerk reaction. Give me your bench power rankings right now. Who who are you liking most off the bench as part of that second unit? Yeah, I think it's been Kyle Anderson has been number one for me. I think that, you know, Nas Reed has had the highest ceiling for sure of any of these bench players, but I'd go Kyle Anderson number one just because I think his his steadying presence on the offensive end of the floor is so consistent. And he's a guy who uh, has been pretty malleable defensively in terms of, uh, you know, we saw in that Memphis series a couple years ago, he guarded Carl Anthony Towns uh, and guarded Cap pretty well um, in that series. Um, so he can guard, you know, burlier fives and, he can also guard, you know, smaller threes that that aren't quite as quick. And, you know, Eric Gordon's a good example of, of a player like that. Um, but just make smart decisions with the ball in his hand. Um, and really kind of seems to to get the, the 
the train back on the tracks, if you will, when when things tend to go awry a little bit offensively. So I'd put him number one. Um, I, I'd put uh, you know, I'd put Nas Reed number two again, just because the explosive ability. I mean, you saw it there at the late third quarter, early fourth quarter. I think um, I think he had nine points in, in a stretch of the last two minutes and 18 seconds of the third quarter. And then the first two minutes and 18 seconds of the, of the fourth quarter there scored nine points in that run. Um, you know, which was important, I, I think just to kind of reestablish a little bit of a rhythm for him. But um, the best thing about Nas Reed is like, he just creates so much easy offense for himself and others just by playing the right way within, you know, Chris Finch's system. I think he's the best system fit of any player on this team and that everything he does, he does it quickly. Um, he does it. Uh, he he does it. You know, I, I think in a way that really uh, makes things easier for his teammates because they just get the ball to Nasri and they know that he's either gonna you know get downhill and attack to to collapse the defense or uh, or score for himself, uh, which is which is something this team really needs because they just don't have that many guys that can that can totally punish mismatches, if you will. Um, and that's really important just as a scoring weapon off the bench. And then after that, it's kind of a free for all, I think, in the sense that, you know, Nikhil Alexander Walker has had his moments of, of being really important on the defensive end of the floor so far this season, but his offense has really waxed and waned. Uh, and it, and it feels like for, for Nikhil, uh, confidence is, um, is something that is not necessarily a given on that end of the floor. Uh, at least right now, um, it certainly can be, we saw what he was able to do in the playoffs when the confidence was really high. Um, I'd probably go with him third just because, you know, you've seen the defensive potential there um, and his defensive effort is always going to be there. And that's that's something that they they need, especially if Jaden or Ant um, gets into foul trouble. Um, you know, and after that, I mean, it's 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 really just kind of Shake Milton's been the only other guy in the rotation there. Um, and I was really high in the Shake Milton signing, um, to be honest with you. you. know, He's a guy who I think scored at least 20 points in a game like six or seven times last season for the 76ers and looked really, really comfortable in the preseason, both as a scorer and as a distributor. He kind of split his minutes, um, playing almost evenly with Gobert and Towns. And so you're kind of hoping that um, you know, no matter who they ended the first quarter with at the five, that Shake Milton would be able to come in and, and run some offense. But um, struggled offensively at the start of the year. And now Chris Finch has kind of realized that Shake Milton likes playing a little bit more off the ball. So you've seen Nikhil Alexander-Walker kind of assume that backup point guard role more on the ball, him or Kyle Anderson. And so I think that's why you're starting to see Shake Milton kind of, you know, establish his flow uh, and, and what he can do offensively. He had a couple of nice and ones, um, you know, over the last couple of games here, um, you know, had some some nice breakdowns and uh, and isolation scores in the mid range, which is what you need as well. So, um, yeah, hopefully he'll be a guy that can you know join Nas Reed in that pretty consistently can get you you know ten to ten to twelve points at, at a minimum off the bench, um, or maybe maybe Milton's in that ten to twelve range and Nas is closer to you know fifteen to eighteen. Um, you know, if he can kind of kind of find his shooting touch again. Yeah, I was I was going to lead you to a Shake Milton question and you got there before I even had to ask, but you know, the the Wolves had Malik Beasley 2 years ago and he was a guy that could carry you to a couple wins a year when he just gets wicked hot, right? And then last year Jalen Noel, who was disappointing I thought, but really last year and the year before, Jalen Noel would have moments, microwave scoring where he would just get the hot hand, right? The Wolves don't necessarily have that off the bench besides, I would say, Nas. I think Nas can do that for you. He'll have a 25-point game. He'll do that. I'm wondering if Shake can be that guy um, and if he's sitting on progression back to his mean because sort of like we talked about with Cat, 
He wasn't going to shoot 38% all year, and he didn't. Well, Shake is shooting 38% right now. His percentages are way down across the board. And I know his minutes are a little down too, like you said, getting more comfortable in this new role. He would played five years in Philadelphia. I mean, he was very uh, comfortable in that system and doesn't look comfortable right now. And I'm, I'm hoping, crossing my fingers, that you know the three-point percentage, the field goal attempts, the field goal percentage, everything gets better for him. Because I think that bench, it's got, you know, obviously you get the defense from Na, you get everything, a little bit of everything from Kyle Anderson, you get the offense from Nas. You need one more guy that can score once in a while. And I think Shake needs to be that guy. Would you agree with me? I totally agree with you. And I mean, I think the, you know, the biggest thing too for me with Shake is like you you go back and you look at, you know, how many games he's started too. Um, you know, he started 11 games last year in spot starts when Harden didn't play or Maxi didn't play um, and was really, really solid as a starter in those minutes. Um, and it was a really, really confident score um, too. And so I think that, you know, it's just kind of a hope. Like we saw, it took Gobert a while to kind of get acclimated. It took Mike Conley a little bit to kind of get acclimated. But the thing is, is that, you know, Shake Milton made a really important comment. Um, I, I think it was after the last Timberwolves home game um, that they played before they went out on this trip where, you know, he said this is the most unselfish team that he thinks he's been a part of so far in the NBA. And that guys are willing to sacrifice and everybody is really on board with with what this team is trying to do. And I think that 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 connective nature you can only hope will, you know, lead to kind of some more collaboration and, um, you know, and kind of sharing of thought of, of, hey, like, what can I do? You know, if you're Shake Milton, probably having conversations with people like, hey, what can I what do you need from me? How can I fit into this thing better? And, and talking with other people, too, like a Kyle Anderson and saying, like, hey, man, I'm I'm really comfortable when you know, I'm curling off of, you know, DHOs and kind of getting it in the mid range and can create from there, which is what we saw a lot of in, um, in Philadelphia. Uh, and, and so, you know, that's the type of thing that, you know, you don't necessarily get even from him having a full training camp, uh, extended training camp, even with them going uh, to Abu Dhabi uh, and then coming back and, and still kind of getting in the flow of this regular season. I think that, uh, you know, he's just a guy that, you know, again, like you said, five years in Philadelphia, um, playing a little bit of a, a reduced role right now, uh, kind of like a sharpshooter, right? You know, it's harder to establish a rhythm when, you know, you're only playing six, seven minutes, you only get two threes off. You know, you see what Matt Ryan's doing right now in New Orleans, where Matt Ryan is playing, you know, out of his mind really, really well, because he's, you know, been able to shoot seven, eight, nine, ten threes a game um, with all their different guys out. And so uh, it, it, for Shake, it's just going to really, I think, be built with, you know, just communication with other guys and 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 them kind of getting to understand his strengths, where he likes the ball, uh, where he likes to shoot from the most, that those types of things. And I, and I think you're starting to see that, um, which has been really important. It's just now a matter of, uh, you know, can you do it a little bit more uh, aggressively within the kind of that that rotation that isn't isn't garbage time here in the you know late third and fourth quarters tonight. I want to revisit a topic we discussed in the Minnesota basketball party this morning. We'll look ahead to the next 10 games for the Minnesota Timberwolves after a word from Ibotta. Turkey is great, but we all know the best part of Thanksgiving dinner is the sides. With Ibotta, you can make sure you get the whole family's favorite side dishes and the turkey, all while getting yourself cash back. Starting November 1st, for the fourth year in a row, Ibotta is giving 100% cash back on your Thanksgiving feast. Just add the offers in the app to redeem for everything you need to make your Thanksgiving feast complete. 
All you have to do is shop at your favorite retailers and upload your receipt. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds, yes, hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods, so you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. Other apps give you points that don't amount to much. With Ibotta, you get real cash back that you can cash out to your bank account, PayPal, or gift cards. You can also earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers, too, when you start with Ibotta, including Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Download the Ibotta app now. Use code LOCKED to get 100% cash back on your Thanksgiving dinner starting November 1st. Go to the App Store or Google Play Store, download the free Ibotta app, and use code LOCKED. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store. Use code LOCKED. Before I ask you, Jack Borman, about the Wolves' next 10 games, uh, did I hear, was Phoenix pumping in artificial defense chants? It sure as hell sounded like it. That did I, not I mean, sound I covered real. Ga- I covered games in person in 2020, the 20, like the 2020, 2021 season, um, you know, during COVID when you and the nearest media member were probably 50 feet apart in the kind of the rotunda area and you're right by these huge, you know, subwoofer, you know, you know, machines that are using a pump in the crowd noise. And that's exactly what it sounded like tonight. Like Michael Grady and Jim Pete calling out, you know, how loud it was. It, it certainly sounded like that. Uh, I, I'm kind of curious. Like, I don't know. I'll probably ask a player or two about that in the locker room on, on Monday mm-hmm. next week when, when the Wolves are back here. Um, to play the Knicks because that that had to have been a little bit jarring for sure. That that was jarring to watch on TV because it yeah it didn't sound like like live noise. Uh, t- no. Tyler is still watching. Tyler from the comments, you're a Suns fan. Maybe you can tell us why your squad is pumping in the artificial defense. Um, I feel like the fans could handle that with the with the excitement around that team. But anyway, looking ahead to the next ten for the Timberwolves and you can kind of use the play in tournament, I guess as a benchmark or a cutoff. So really it's only eight games leading up to that quarterfinal round. Wolves have a very good chance to be in that quarterfinal round, but looking forward, I recall this morning you and really our whole panel, we were all pretty bullish on the wolves next 10. And I think we all assumed tonight against Phoenix was one of the toughest games on the slate. You had Philadelphia coming up, but you look across, you know, the next couple of weeks, a lot more winnable basketball games beginning with uh, the Pelicans on Saturday and a chance for the Wolves to to beef up a pretty gaudy record here in the early season. Yeah, I mean, I said, I remember on, on the Minnesota basketball party at the start of the year, like if, if they could just get to Thanksgiving at 500 or a couple games above 500, like you'd absolutely take that considering that they've had one of the five hardest schedules in the NBA so far this season. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and now it kind of softens up a little bit, right? You get to catch the Grizzlies before, uh, before jaw returns, uh, yep. you know, Oklahoma city, uh, has, has been really, really up and down, but that's a team that, uh, that they've dominated, uh, the past few years. Um, and then the Kings too. I mean, the King Kings have won three in a row. The, the 76ers, I think are, are, are second in the Eastern conference right now. Um, and the Knicks are just kind of a, a grinded out team, but again, like they're kind of built like the Timberwolves, but the Timberwolves have more offensive scoring talent. Right. So, um, you know, I definitely think that if, if you can win, two of the Pelicans, Knicks, Sixers, and Kings games, um, you know, then you've got four in a row here against Memphis, Oklahoma City, Utah, and Charlotte. 
um, before you kind of, uh, you know, get back into the in-season tournament play. So it's really nice that I guess they kind of have four on-ramp games where they can really kind of catch a rhythm again, um, you know, with the way that they've played and, and kind of discarded of teams that are significantly worse than they are. Um, you'd expect that they can go 4-0 in those games and then, you know, hopefully host an in-season uh, hopefully host an in-season uh, tournament quarterfinal game, yep. potentially, depending on how that goes. Um, but even if it's on the road, I mean, they've played well on the road this year. Um, yeah, so I, th- I think it's very feasible that you could see them go six and two over these next eight. Um, you know, even if it's, even if it's you know, five and three, you know, your record's still still getting better. Um, and, and you could, could then potentially be, you know, you know, 13 and six which I think at that point heading into the, the rest of the in-season tournament, I think ever, I think every single Timberwolves fan, if you would have told them that at the start of the season, absolutely would have taken that, especially that you know, they won seven in a row already this season, um, which I think is just really important to show, you know, this team that they can, they can string them together. And that's what you need to do when, when you've got a stretch of, of four teams and something they didn't do last season. So nice to see them doing it already so far this season. Yeah, and you outlined a, a fairly soft portion before the in-season tournament. After that, it it's gnarly. There's a stretch here. Mavs, Pacers, who are off to a good start, 7-4. and four. No, Number one offense in, in the NBA this year. Yeah, Pacers are no joke. Heat, Sixers, Lakers, Kings, Thunder, Mavs again, Lakers again. December after the tournament, gauntlet. So get the wins now. I mean, some of these teams you might not have thought would be a gauntlet when you looked at the schedule, but the Pacers, surprisingly good. We didn't take the Mavericks seriously at all before the year, and the Mavericks look pretty good. They've, they've so, also had uh, about as soft of a schedule as you can have so far. That's fair. I, I I do remember looking at that. Yes, yes, that might be propped up against uh, you know some bad teams. I totally But they agree have played well, no question. Yep, yep. I mean, Luka, if Kyrie can find some sort of like – I don't know, inner peace and comfort with where he is and be comfortable and people like him. Yeah. Maybe, maybe they can work something out there too. But uh, Jack, thanks for uh, staying up late once again with us. Uh, Jack is doing this with Luke Inman most nights after every Wolves game. Uh, Sometimes it's Tyler Metcalf filling in, but we've got a show for you after each Wolves game here on the lockdown Wolves postcast Um, Saturday. I believe Ben Beacon's in this seat. So We'll keep mixing it up on you as the Wolves take on the Pelicans. Hey, please subscribe to the channel, Locked On Sports Minnesota, and find the audio of this show on the Locked On Wolves audio feed. You can get your daily Wolves fix there as well with Ben Beacon hosting. He's Jack. He's on X at JRBorman13. I'm Sam Ekstrom at Sam Ekstrom. I'm uh, tweeting or posting there. Thanks so much for staying up late and watching this one. It's the Locked On Wolves postcast on Locked On Sports Minnesota.